0: Chapter Forty Two of History of the Norwegian People, Volume One by Knut Gershet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Forty Two: Conditions in Norway during the Reign of the Jarls Eric and Sven. The creation of the United Kingdom of Norway by Harald HORFAGRA and the introduction of Christianity by Olaf Tryggvason were the two epoch-making events in the national development of the Norwegian people prior to the year one thousand. But the new ideas of a united and Christian Norway, represented by these two great kings had as yet failed to gain the active support and conscious loyalty of the whole people. There had always been much secret opposition and silent ill-will on the part of the aristocracy, and the common people, who were yet strangers to the idea of national patriotism, allied themselves with their own local chieftains. The Battle of Sfolder was a result of existing conditions. The opportunity came, and the new national kingship received a crushing blow. The aristocracy regained its power, Norway was divided between the two kings of Sweden and Denmark, and the jarls Erik and Sven, who ruled the country as their vassals. Independence was lost as well as national unity, but no word of protest or complaint was heard. The people seemed to be well satisfied with their new arrangement. One great element necessary to national growth was still wanting, patriotism, which makes a people, a nation, conscious of its own distinct life and destiny. The entrance of this new force into the history of the Norwegian people is associated with the name of King Olaf Haraldsson, commonly known as St. Olaf. The rule of the Jarls was, in general, a return to the old ways. Nominally, they were Christians, but they showed no interest for the new faith, and did nothing to promote or to maintain it. Eric Jarl and Sven Jarl were both baptized and received the true faith, says the saga, but so long as they ruled Norway, they let each man do as he pleased with regard to Christianity. As a result of this indifference, Christianity was soon forgotten, and the people returned to their pagan worship. Erik Jarl resided at Lade, and Svein Jarl dwelt at Stenckjär, at the head of the Trondheimsfjord. The commercial town Nidaros, Trondheim, which Olaf Tryggvason had founded, was allowed to decay. In Oplinena, southeastern Norway, the Harser and Pedi kings regained their old independence, and in Vestlande, southwestern Norway, Erling son of Sola, the brother-in-law of Olaf Tryggvason, ruled with unrestricted authority without submitting to the jarls. The king of Sweden collected taxes in Tryndelagen, but King Canute the Great of Denmark, the son of Sven-Hugesheg, who was now engaged in the conquest of England, paid little attention to his Norwegian possessions. Erik and Sven were unable to exercise any great authority. They were satisfied with enjoying the privileges and emoluments of their high office, due them according to ancient custom. The people seemed to have been well pleased with their mild rule and the gradual return to the old order of things. They maintained well the old laws and all customs, says the saga. And they were popular men and good rulers. An important change was nevertheless taking place at this time. The aristocracy had learned the necessity of united action, if they wished to maintain their old privileges against a national king, who might at any time appear upon the scene. In France and the British Isles, they had also become acquainted with a social system in which the aristocracy owned nearly all the land and exercised a far greater authority over the common classes than did the Norwegian chieftains, who had hitherto stood in a more or less patriarchal relation to the people. These lessons were not forgotten. The more powerful families, of which there were many in Norway at this time, now made an effort to become more firmly united through intermarriage, and the great chieftains began to enlarge their estates to a hitherto unknown extent. One of the most powerful chieftains was Thorahund of Bjarki in northern Holagaland, Nordland. He had a monopoly on the trade with the Finns, and became very wealthy through the export of furs to England. His brother was the powerful Sigurd of Trondinus, who was married to a sister of Erling Shelkson His sister was married to Ulve of Ege, the greatest chieftain in Trondelagen. Harek of Tjata was another man of great note in Hulagaland. Many freeholders lived in the island of Tjata, but he gradually bought them out until he finally owned the whole island. He made much money by trade and became very rich. Few men in Norway at this time wielded greater influence than Einar Tambarsjelver in Utrondelagen who had been with Olaf Tryggvason at Svolder. He was married to a daughter of Hakon Jarl, and lived at Gimsar in Guldalen. In Synmur dwelt the great Arn Muldling family. The brothers Thorberg, Kalf, Finn, Arne, and Arnbjörn Arneson played an important part in public affairs in the reign of Olaf Haraldsson. Their sister, Roggenhild, was married to Horek of Tjötta, and Thorberg, the lord of Giske, was married to the daughter of Erling Schalkson, who was the greatest of all the chieftains. The saga says that Erling always had a force of men with him, resembling a king's herd. He was tall, strong, and beautiful, and in all manly sports he resembled Olaf Tryggvason. On his estate he had thirty slaves and a number of serfs. He gave the slaves a piece of land to till. This piece they worked during spare hours, and they were allowed to sell the grain which they raised. They could purchase their freedom for a fixed price, and when they had become free, Erling either retained them in his service or gave them land which they might clear or cultivate. When Erling traveled by sea, he always had a fully equipped warship, and when Eric Jarl or Sven was near, he had with him two hundred men, two hundred forty or more. It is the common opinion, says the saga, that Erling Schalkson was the greatest of all Endermind in Norway. In Gudbrandsdal, the great Hirsad Dalla Gudbrand ruled as an independent prince. Of the many petty kings which ruled in southeastern Norway may be mentioned King Sigurd sire of Ringerike, St. Olaf's stepfather, and King Rurik in Hedemarken. The aristocracy, which controlled the greater part of the wealth and resources of the country, could now present a united front against a king who should presume to encroach on their established rights. Eric and Sven were of their number, and ruled in the interest of their class. The two brothers seemed to have been worthy representatives of that old class of chieftains. Eric Jarl had especially distinguished himself as a warrior. He had borne the brunt of the battle against the Vikings at Hüringvåg, and had taken Olaf Tryggvason's famous ship, the Long Serpent, at Svalder. He was a man of great prowess and ability. The more it is to be regretted that he had drawn his sword against his king and his country for motives of sordid gain and self-aggrandizement. Then faded away his old renown, till in foreign lands a grave he found. The death knell sounds in the breast of the man, who draws his sword against his native land end of chapter 42